This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Beat on. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. In delivers. It's swung on a drive left center. Lariano back, still going back. At the track, right to the wall, leaping. And he made a phenomenal catch. Might have saved the ball game. Lariano full out racing toward left center field. And just to the right of the 388 mark and scaling the wall, leaping up and backhands the ball with a sensational play. Now the 1-0 pitch to Ramon is swung on, driven to right center field. Way back, Stewart's at the track. He'll turn and watch it fly. What an eighth inning for Lariano. He puts the A's on his back. And it gives the A's a 7-5 lead. Here's Chris Townsend. Magic, man. It was absolute magic at the ballpark yesterday. Not too many times do you see a guy have an inning like that. Game-saving catch. Then you come up in the bottom half of the inning and you knock a two-run homer out of the ballpark and win the game for your ball club. Magical. Absolutely magical. How about how about Matt Olson? Here's a guy that's got a shiner. He looks like he's straight out of an MMM, MMA fight. He gets a base hit and scores in the first. Hits a two-run shot in the third. Gots a double in the fifth. I mean, you're worried if the guy can see. And he's getting three hits. And he's driving the ball all over the place. Yesterday was it, it was it was such a fun game. And got a lot of respect for those Baltimore Orioles. You know, they used to be a pushover, not anymore. And the Athletics salvaged the game 7-5. to five, And then now, you got the Baby Jays coming into town. And the Baby Jays are hot. They just swept the Atlanta Braves. That was down in Atlanta. I think it was in Florida, wasn't it? Was that at their AAA park? Yeah, I think it was in the AAA park in Florida. Well, that, that's a whole other thing we got to get into today is about how these Jays are emerging into a very, very mentally tough team because of their circumstances that have been so different from everybody else in the sport. But over that three-game sweep, they outscored the Braves 26-12. to Coming up here at 415, Bip Roberts, the former All-Star. You see him on NBC Sports California doing A's pre- and post-game live. That's 415. And then one of the great voices in our game, he calls games for ESPN. He used to do Sunday Night Baseball. He quit that, but he was Sunday Night Baseball. And you see him doing college basketball on ESPN. The great Dan Schulman from the Toronto Blue Jays and ESPN will be here at 4.30. And then Mark Canna will stop by at 5 o'clock. A lot to get into with Mark. We'll talk about the return of his very close friend, Marcus Simeon. And we'll talk about the new record and how funny it was yesterday. A lot of people had no clue what was going on. 
He has now been hit more than Sal Bando, and he gets to first base. He notices. See, I didn't know exactly what was going through his mind, but he noticed no one really knew what was going on, so he tipped his cap and tipped his cap to the dugout. It was a funny moment yesterday. And also, I mean, he had a front row seat to Ramon Laureano's catch, so a lot to get into with Canna. So Bip Roberts at 415, Dan Schulman at 430, and Mark Canna at 5 o'clock. Commander, how are you? Tony, I'm much better. I was hoping that they would win that game, salvage the series against the, as you mentioned, not so uh, in the distant future away, Baltimore Orioles. They're building something there, maybe. Uh, it's going to be a couple years, but they're building something. they got Babe Hayes playing on that team. Uh, yeah, get Austin Hayes out of town, for yeah, God's sake. You can't get that guy out, but uh, they come back, they win that game. Loriano. it feels like sometimes when you see that happen around baseball where a guy makes a great catch, he comes up the next inning and hits a home run. Not, not, not like a home run where he, he puts a team ahead, but a home run. He does something like a home run in the next inning. But that, that, that whole sequence is incredible. Wait, it's modern-day baseball. He either hits a home run or strikes out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, remember, he's a professional hitter, so he has to do something uh, in that at-bat. Uh, but I, I was happy they won that series, you know, because after getting the Lazardo news on, uh, on Saturday and then seeing these plates on the aisle yesterday, which I'm sure we'll get to some funny sports injuries, uh, baseball injuries. Oh, I have a whole <laughs> list. I have a whole list. You know, we brought out uh, – so this list that I had only has some of them. Uh, yesterday during the post game, we started getting into it, and I just started remembering some, like Jeff Kent, who claimed he was washing his truck. In reality, he was popping wheelies on a dirt bike. There's Madison Bumgarner going down with the dirt bike. There's a lot of there's a lot of crazy stories out there. I got one on Joe DiMaggio. Now, oh yeah. Now Joe wasn't fooling around. He just this, this equipment burned him. I'll get into that uh, a, a little bit later. But Marcus Simeon, I'm looking at him right now. He's out in center field before he was behind the cage. All of the A's came over and gave him a hug for what he meant to this organization. You know, Marcus was part of the heart and soul of the team. I think there's no question. He was a leader. He was a leader by example. Nobody worked harder than him. Chad Pender is taking ground balls and just went down awkwardly. Hope he's okay. Because, you know, he's been dealing with a knee, and we can't wait to have him back. That's one of the things great about being able to do AA's Cast Live once again back at the ballpark is we get to see everything that's going on. And we got to see Chad Pender today uh, doing running drills, working with the trainers, and hopefully he'll be back soon from that knee. But Marcus Simeon. You know, we watched Marcus be absolutely brutal. I mean, he was tough to watch. And they brought Ron Washington back. And the thing that I'll always remember about Marcus is most professional athletes would not be doing all the drills that Wash had him doing in front of the entire entire media to see. Mostly that stuff would be done where the media can't see it. For example, when John Lester got here and couldn't throw over to first base, they would work with him all the time, but they did it where no one could see it. That was not the case with Marcus. I mean, Wash had that oven mint-like glove, and 
Marcus would get on his knees and he just fought, you know, it, it made him have to use his right hand to secure the ball in his glove. And they just worked on fundamentals over and over. And I used to say, hey, this is stuff big league shortstops don't do. Big league shortstops are already slick fielders already when they get here. They had to remake Marcus Simeon, and Marcus was secure enough to do it in front of everybody. And it really turned him into a leader of this club because everybody realized how hard he worked and that he was a leader by example. And no one worked harder than him. And when your leader and your shortstop are busting their tail every single day, it makes everybody else realize you got to do the same. And I know Bip Roberts is real close with him. Uh, I wish I could go down and talk with Marcus. I miss talking to him. He, he's such a good person. You know, when I left 95-7 the game and I took the job with the A's to do this, when my first trip down to that spring training, you know who the first person was to come up to me and congratulate me? I didn't go up to them. He came up to me and said, hey, congratulations on the new job. Oh, I'm assuming it wasn't Billy, so Marcus Simeon? I mean, think about that. How many of these players even notice stuff like that? The fact that Marcus came up to me and to congratulate me, he didn't need to do that. I mean, it was really cool. I miss him. I thought, you know, he was, he was, he was great to be around. And he was just a good, he was a great teammate. And to get to see his wife and his two boys and to watch them grow as a family. You might remember when we had Marcus on from San Diego at the winter meetings. And his wife was like, we want to stay here. It just wasn't in the cards. And, you know, Marcus, in the end, his best deal was with the Toronto Blue Jays. One year, $18 million. Good for him. The A's offer was 12.5, but 10 million of it was deferred. You know, hoping that he'd take the ultimate hometown discount. But in the end, Marcus may really make out after this year. Because we've talked about the shortstop market where there's going to be a flood of shortstops going to be available. But I don't know. Now Lindor signed. He was the main prize. And he inked, inked up with the Mets for 341. Don't shortchange him that million dollars. $341 million. $341. And they're booing him already, which is just hilarious. Well, apparently last night quickly, uh, apparently he popped up and someone from the press box said, worth every penny. <laughs> it's not easy playing in New York. So who are we going to have now? You're going to have Marcus out there. You're going to have Baez. So uh, if these guys don't sign extensions. Uh, the other Seager brother, Corey. He's uh, not leaving L.A. Uh, Trevor Story. And uh, the ultimate wild card in this whole situation is Carlos Correa. Will the Astros try to give him another deal, or is he, is he gone? Because remember, they tried to extend him, and it was like $120 million. Don't so. disrespect me offering me $120 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't so, you disrespect me like that. Those are the guys out there. Seager, uh, Baez, Correa. Seager is not at – Seager is going – you're going to leave the Dodgers. Where would you leave? Seriously. If I, I mean, I know Scott Boris is his agent. But you're going to leave L.A. to go where? Colorado. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to look at a team. Think of a team like, where are you going to go? Yeah, you want to go to the play for the Texas Rangers? So you want, he wants to go be reunited in Seattle with his brother. Yeah, you're going to go to <laughs> Seattle. 
Uh, well, remember, Marcus will Marcus be in the second base, uh, second base market or shortstop market? Well, he can be. That's why I think he can make out because he could be in both. Well, he could be. Uh, or if he, Versatility is the name of the game, and how ver- if you if you basically say, "Hey, listen, I can play you a solid short, I can play you a solid second, and I hit home runs." You can't. You're going to tell me there's not a market for that guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I can hit leadoff. I like the idea that he can play both positions and play. I don't know, maybe, maybe one day you can probably maybe play him at third base too because that was some of the rumors that when he was in free agency that they were looking at potentially putting him at third. Some teams wanted to play him at third base too, and he's a good leadoff hitter. Remember, he was the A's leadoff hitter for how long? And now it's Mark Hanna, and he spoke about uh, – I don't know if you want to play that or not yet, but he, he talked about uh, Mark Hanna as the leadoff hitter for the, for the A's uh, earlier on. He did a Zoom meeting, Zoom call, and he was with all the Bay Area media, but here's what Marcus had to say about Mark Hanna as the new A's leadoff hitter yeah I, I think it's great you know he he gets on base he gets I saw his hit by pitch record he, he obviously walks a lot he's I think he's a dream for Billy and David to you know for what they want to do in the leadoff spot and nobody realized how good of a base runner he, he's always been and I've known that um, and you see what he's been able to do for the team they've won so many games with him at the top of the lineup and you have the guys in the middle driving him in what does he do? He gets on base. I, I gotta get that drop. I thought I guys, would... guys, look at your reports. Or I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to point at Pete again. <laughs> the mo- an ugly girlfriend. What's that mean? Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. We, we were joking before the show. Yeah. That 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 scout goes. Yeah, his girlfriend. She's a six at best. You imagine an old man talking about a young kid's girlfriend in a draft room. Moneyball, absolutely hilarious. You got to realize Mark Canna, Mark Canna and Marcus Simeon played at Cal together. They played all these years in the big leagues together. Right now, I'm looking down at the field. Bob Melvin is talking with Marcus Simeon. Is Marcus? I think he went out to go to the cage, but he's never left the field. He's been talking with all the A's the entire time. Do we have one of my favorite players of all time, the former All-Star, and a friend of Marcus Simeon's, the great Bip Roberts, who you see on television on NBC Sports California. Bipster, how are you? Hey, Tony, I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I, I, You know, life is good. The A's are winning. I think he, – what Simeon's going through right now, I think, is the exact same thing that happened to you when you went back to San Diego to take on the Padres. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's a, kind of a bittersweet feeling. You feel good about coming home, but you also you kind of reminisce on how it used to be when you were in that uniform. And I think what happens with that is when you get traded, you start to feel as though, well, somebody didn't want me, or you, you leave in free agency like Marcus had to because he didn't get an offer and, and, and everything that transpired from that. And I think what he wants to do is come home and show out. I think that's what he wants to do. But it's good to see familiar faces, but he wants to let everybody know what they let go. And, and I think that's going to be a driving force with him coming home this, this these next couple games. Yeah, right now it's Bob Melvin, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, and Marcus Simeon all doing a little powwow behind the uh, hitting cage because you know how much all so many of these A's, how much they love Marcus Simeon and what he meant as a leader, as a shortstop, as as a leadoff hitter. I mean, he meant so much, Bip, to this organization. 
You're absolutely right. You know, Marcus was a leader in that clubhouse, and he showed by example by getting out on that field early and working hard. And I think that brought Matt Chapman along with him. And I think, you know, Matt Olson, he started to see those same things, and they all had the same work habits. But it was Marcus who led them down that path and was the leader in that clubhouse on and off the field. And, you know, when you lose a guy like that, it, it takes a, a while to get over that. You know, I had the pleasure of playing with Gary Templeton, and he was the leader of our team, captain. And when he was traded to the Mets, it just kind of demoralized me personally because I looked up to him and everything that I was was because of him. And, you know, when you lose a guy like that, it's tough to replace. You can't replace them. You have to now remember the things that they, that they led you by, by example, but they taught you. Um, and you have to take that now and be your own player. And I think that's kind of what Chappie and what Olsen are going through. You know, he had Marcus leading the way and now he's gone. And you now have to reflect on the things that he said, the way that he led by example. And you have to kind of put that into your DNA and you take it forward. You take the, as we say, you take the baton and now you move it forward. Well, this is going to be a fun series. Uh, are you on TV this series? No, I'm home. I'm going to be watching. I may come out Thursday. I sent Marcus a text just letting him know that, hey, you know, even though you're not in our uniform, you know, I still support and love you 100%, and I want to see you do well. So don't hurt him too bad. Get yours, but don't get the W. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they've got exciting names. I mean, the Toronto Blue Jays, I mean, their fathers were such great players. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, uh, Biggio, they've got a they they've got some older talent now, like bringing in like a Marcus Simeon, but they've got some tremendous young talent with these Toronto Blue Jays. They do. They have that bloodline, and that bloodline has made it all the way to the top. And what that what that lets you know is that these guys are for real. Because you could have the name of a former player, but that doesn't mean you're going to make it. But when you see a guy who has that name, and he does make it you know that he's legit. When you watch Guerrero right now, he's lost weight. He's taking the game a little more serious, and he's starting to perform. I mean, he is doing some things that right now his dad, you know, is probably real proud of him. He's saying, yes, son, I know you had that in you. You just had to get yourself in, in greater shape. And Dante Bichette is becoming a leader over there. You know, I mean, when you say Marcus Simeon was a great shortstop, but he has to move to second base because of Bichette. I mean, it tells you the talent level that's over there. So... You know, I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm really anxious to see what type of team they have here. This is the first time I've really sat and just, like, dissected them. And now we get a chance to see exactly how good they are. Well, and one of the crazy things is they haven't been home in two years. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> they're in Florida, for God's sakes. And then Dan Schulman, who's coming up here at the bottom of the hour, told us that uh, there, there's a point where they're now going to go up and play in Buffalo again. We have no clue when these guys are going to be able to go back in Toronto. And, Bip, you could talk to this. I mean, your spring training home, normally you get a place for spring training, but then you're leaving it after spring training. I mean, you got to find new places to live. I mean, wives, girlfriends, children. I mean, this affects so many different people, the fact that you can't be at home. It really does. And then you're going to go from one place to another place soon, and that's going to be called home. And so you have to uproot your family and take them now to Buffalo. I mean, I don't know much about Buffalo, but it's not Florida, and it's not Toronto. So 
when do they get a chance to really settle in? But, you know, I think baseball players are so used to making adjustments. You have to make adjustments every day at the ballpark, according to who you're playing, who you're pitching, pitch by pitch, that these guys are saying, well, you know what? This is just part of it now. I mean, what can they do about it? I mean, they can't, you know, sit back and say, well, oh, what was me? I wish we were in Toronto. They still have to get results and positive results. So, I, you know, I've never been in that situation other than leaving that spring training and going to my home city. But to have to stay there and then play there and then uproot and move again, I mean, it's got to be a distraction. But they're not going to tell you it's a distraction because they have to stay focused. You know, you, you have to stay focused. You can't worry about what you can't control. And so I just believe that they have a, a bunch of guys, a great group of guys who understand this is how it's going to be. Let's do the best that we can. Let's get some positive results. But above all, let's have fun and let's find a way to win games. How about Mark Canna? Tied for the MLB lead and runs scored. Did When you heard Mark Canna batting leadoff, what were your first thoughts and what do you think about it now? I just didn't know what to expect. I know that Mark Canna is a, a studious ball player. He understands situations. He understands his role. And I think he wants to be the best that he can in his role. And I think when he thought, when he says, well, I'm going to be the leadoff guy, that means I have to find a way to get on base. I have to, you know, sharpen my eye and, and lay off pitches out of the strike zone, find ways to get on, whether it be walk, hit, error, whatever it may be. But he's become a great table setter. But he's also a guy that can – he can leave. He can hit the ball out the yard. I just think that he has really perpetuated the, the myth that guys can't go from one part of the lineup to another lineup. And I think he's that guy who's telling everyone that you can if you just say, this is my role and I'm going to play it to the best of my ability. And, and that's what we see right now. He's playing the leadoff hitter to the best of his ability. And because he's a baseball player and baseball players, again, make adjustments, he's able to do that. And I am just tickle pink. I'm, I'm happy to see him do it. I'm proud of him. I'm glad he's doing it. I'm glad he's having success. Because, again, you know, you could take a guy from the fourth, fifth, sixth position and put him in the leadoff, and he has a bunch of failure, and then he loses his confidence. But, you know, Mark Cannon's a guy who he keeps his head high in the air. He knows who he is. He's very confident in his abilities. And he's the type of guy who has a chip on his shoulder and wants to show you he can do it. And he's doing that right now. You know, it's really, when you break it down mentally, hitting leadoff and that mentality that you're the leadoff hitter is different than the other eight positions in the lineup. Speak to how it's so unique and why it's so different from, from the other eight spots in the lineup. Well, you're like a motorcycle. You got to get off the mark. You got to get the team going. First at bat. Let's get it going. You, I used to hear that all the time. Come on, B. You leading off. Let's get it going. It's not like, you know, hitting third, second or third, where you've already seen a pitcher and you know what he's going to feature. When you get up there as the first hitter, you have no idea what he's going to feature that day. But you have to figure it out for everybody else so that they now can get their scouting report. And I think that sometimes you become – as we would call it, you become the guinea pig. <laughs> but your job is to, <laughs> you know, but your job is to find a way to get on base, whether it be at home or on the road. At home, you want to get the crowd noise into it. On the road, you want to get the hush in the crowd. So as a former leadoff hitter, my job was 
to, to start the havoc from the first at bat. And I think Mark Cano, he does a good job with that. He has great at bats the first time up, whether he gets on base or not. The guys behind him now can see what the pitcher is featuring, and they can now make their adjustments. So that's what your job is, is to make sure that everyone from two down to nine understand the pitcher's pitches, fastball, curveball, slider exchange. What does he do with one strike, two strikes? What is his out pitch? And so now everybody else goes up there a little more comfortable than you were the first time up. I, I love the guinea pig because, yeah, w- once you come back to the dugout, hey, how's he look? What's he throwing? How's the fastball? <laughs> like, all of a sudden, now you got Oh, thanks, guys. I, I, I'm i the first guy, and now I'm going to let you all know how, to, how, how he looks. Yeah, that can't be easy. By the way, what did you make of that inning Ramon Laureano had yesterday in the eighth inning with the catch and then the home run? You know, I always say that because guys are in the major leagues, they can at some point in time totally dominate a game. And it doesn't matter who it is. And he totally dominated that game in one inning. And, you know, I was sitting here watching the game. I went to church. I came home and I started watching the game. And I saw the play. And I was like, wow, that was that incredible because the ball snow coned when he hit the fence. It was just he did everything to catch that baseball. And he came up and he had fire in his heart. You know, that, that boy's got some dog in him. He's got some dog in him. And as he's running off the field, I could see it in him. And I just said to myself, he's going to hit a home run. But I didn't know he was coming up. I kind of, like, got up and walked away and came back. And here he comes up. And he does exactly what we've always said in this game. Guy makes a great play, comes up, and hits a home run. He just totally dominated it. But then when he's in the outfield the next time, he throws the ball to third, one hopper to third with a guy on second, and everybody just said, wow, you know. So with his arm, with his bat, with his glove, he totally dominated that game, turned it around, and helped the A's win that game. Unbelievable. I, I, I It's still it's head-scratching, Bip, that people will run on him. Like, like are, are, are you not reading the scouting reports? Right. I, I don't understand it, but um, – I think some guys just want to test you that day. They want to see if they can make you throw a ball and throw it off a little bit off to the right, a little bit off to the left. But when he gets behind the ball and he comes through it and he lets it go, he is total accurate. He, his accuracy is 100%. So, you know, if, if I'm the coach, I got both hands up. If the, when the ball, as soon as the ball is hit, I don't know where it's going, but if it's in the air near center field, I got both hands up. Do not try <laughs> to run on this guy. <laughs> I, I and you know what you said his mentality it, it, it's like he's got a I know he wasn't a football player but he's got a, like a football player's mentality he's a tough guy he is and you know we use that term he's got some dog in him I get that term from Andre Ward the former boxer he'll say because he, he does a lot of boxing uh comment commentated and he'll tell me sometimes say B man he's got some dog in him and I know what that means that means he's got some pit bull in him. That means don't mess with this boy because he's got it. And he's got it. You know, when he talks, when he's doing interviews, he don't say much, but his eyes tell you, I'm not the one to mess with. <laughs> so he's a tough kid, and he plays that way. He charged the entire Houston Astros bench. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> never, never seen that before and probably will never see it again. 
No, that that tells you a lot about his mentality, right? He's like, "What? What you say?" And he charges the whole thing. <laughs> One versus twenty-six. He was ready to go. Oh man, either that or he's got some screws loose. But I like to say, I like to say he's got a big heart, and and as and as Andre always says to me, he says, "Be bad, he's got some dog in him." Yeah, he's got some dog in him. Yes, he does. Well, as Mike Tyson always said, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, Bip, let's end on this. You still doing the real estate? I am. I am. What I'm doing now is setting up a program where we 1031 properties and we bring, we have them buy another property with the 1031. And that's a business term, 1031. You have a building, you sell a building, you take the proceeds and you slide it into another building. And what we've been doing is we now go out and get franchises for that building so that now your net growth is your growth. So you don't have to pay any expenses. The franchise comes in and they, up under that roof, take care of everything. You no longer have to pay any of those excess of bills, property taxes, or anything like that. And now you can actually make some money. So we're starting to send that out to all the ball players around the country so that they now can put their money somewhere and it'll become generational wealth. So we got a lot of things going and hopefully We'll have a lot of guys taking us up on it. How can people get a hold of you? You can call me at 925-548-3918. This is uh, Intero and Intero Commercial. I do both. So they can call me at any time. Just if you I don't answer, leave me a message, and I'll get right back to you. All right, Bibster, be well. Let's talk soon. All right, man. Enjoy the game. Talk to you soon, my friend. The great Bip Roberts, the former All-Star, and you see him on NBC Sports California doing A's pre and post game live. Coming up next, he's one of the legendary voices in our game. He does a ton of stuff for ESPN, whether it's Major League Baseball, college basketball, but he also is one of the voices of the Toronto Blue Jays. Dan Schulman will join us next from Toronto right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Sean Manaya. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. It's A's Cast live from the ballpark as we're getting you ready for the Athletics and the Jays, the start of a four-game set. And whenever you can have Dan Schulman on from the Blue Jays and ESPN, it's a treat. You know, once was the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. But you see him all, I mean, college hoops, Major League Baseball. Here is my conversation with Dan Schulman. Well, it's uh, it's always an honor and a pleasure to have on one of the great voices of our game. Dan Schulman with us here on A's Cast Live. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks. How are you doing? Uh, we're, we're, we're doing good. And, and, you know, it's always interesting uh, when talking to you about the, the, the baby Jays, as we like, to, we like to call them. They had a great weekend against Atlanta, and I'm really looking forward to this series. This is going to be a lot of fun. It really will be. I mean, Oakland's obviously, you know, a really good team again, had a 13-game winning streak. And uh, the Blue Jays are interesting. I mean, there are some baby Jays, but there are also some older Jays. And, you know, after they made the playoffs last year, the, the expectations are very high 
this year, and, and this will be a really good test for both teams, I think. Yeah, and, and I, I just think about these guys are so kind of battle-hardened now because of having to play in Buffalo last year. Now you're playing in, in Florida. You don't really have a an exact home. It seems like, you know, for these guys, the majority of their games probably feel all like road games. Just talk about how that's toughened up this team. I think it has, you know, and last year I thought they handled it really, really well. And, you know, they, they could have gone two ways. They could have felt sorry for themselves or they could have said, you know what, let's, let's deal with it and, and hope it's a bigger inconvenience for the visiting teams than it is for them. And, and I think that's what it turned out to be on some occasions. This year, at least at the beginning of the year, they had certainty they would be in Dunedin for a while. Um, they're going to go to Buffalo, and I suspect it'll be late May, early June. And then they're hoping to come to Toronto at some point. But, of course, we don't know. We have no idea. So um, it, it, it has been hard. You know, think about going two full years without playing a single game in your home ballpark. Um, you know, obviously there are much bigger issues and bigger concerns about the pandemic. But, you know, in our little corner of the professional sports world, it, it's, um, it has been challenging for them. And I, I give the, you know, the core players, the leadership players, on the team a lot of credit for how they've dealt with it yeah i mean people need to understand i mean these guys have wives they have kids they have lives you know now you got to find a place to live where normally you're just there for spring training and then the other thing i think about if they go to buffalo where's your triple a team is they're they're about to start up so uh, i'll answer the second part first so buffalo will be playing in trenton this year trenton I think was the double-A team, Trent, New Jersey, I think was the double-A team of the Yankees last year. Um, and when, you know, baseball, as you know, they eliminated a lot of minor league teams and some towns were left without an affiliation. Trenton was one of those. Um, and because I think it was a double-A park and geographically it's in the right part of the country, the Blue Jays have moved their triple-A team to Trenton. So they're still the Buffalo Bisons, but they'll be – in New Jersey, they're there now, and they'll open up their season there tomorrow. Um, in terms of, um, you know, living in different places and so forth, there's a, a woman who works with the Blue Jays named Shannon Curley, and she is like the superhero of the organization. It's her job to help people get acclimated, get settled um, in a new city, in, in a new country, in normal times. You know, and, and I know she was a part, like, of the Marcus Simeon welcoming party and the Marcus Simeon pitch when they tried to and succeeded in signing Simeon Shannon was on the zoom call and, and was trying you know helping to explain to him some of the things about Toronto and she would be able to make him feel comfortable and and that sort of thing so I, I think the Blue Jays and, and let me tell you this Toronto is one of the most beautiful cities in North America it's a great place to play baseball and, and earn a living but I think people in Toronto understand sometimes there's a bit of an adjustment period for other people. Now you put the Buffalo and the Dunedin on top of it, and the Blue Jays are used to having to work extra hard to make people feel comfortable, and I think it's one of the strengths of the organization. I think a lot of people are going to see the highlights of what we've been able to see already here at the ballpark to where you're just about every A's player, A's coach came over and hugged Marcus Simeon. He meant so much to this organization, a Bay Area native, a Cal grad. Uh, you know, his, his, his wife also went to Cal. You know, we had Mark Canna on earlier. They grew up basically together going to Cal and, and basically, you know, all their time in the big leagues uh, were together here in Oakland. Just what do you think this homecoming is going to be like for Marcus Simeon? 
Well, I just got off uh, a Zoom call that he was on about uh, half an hour ago. And, and as you know, Marcus is not like an outwardly emotional guy. Um, but I think it's going to mean a lot to him. He'd already had a chance to reconnect a little bit with, you know, some of the security in clubhouse and parking people as he made his way uh, into the ballpark area. And I guess I, I, I hadn't put two and two together, but I guess he had a chance to visit with some of his uh, former teammates um, in Tampa Bay over the last week or so because the Blue Jays were there and they crossed paths with the A's. And now he'll do it again now. Um, just got off a of Zoom with Bob Melvin as well who said, you know, he's kind of used to this, you know, players leaving and showing up in another uniform. But this one, you know, hurts a little bit more than most, not only because of the player that Marcus Simeon became in Oakland, but also because of the person that he is. And, you know, you mentioned Bay Area native and all that, but, uh, you know, Bob spoke about his leadership qualities, you know, what an incredible person he was, the imprint that he has on the community. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a little emotional for everybody, but as soon as the ump plays ball, uh, you know, now he's going to be trying to beat them. Blue Jays are, uh, you know, every game's important, even though it's early. And uh, Marcus Simeon's a very important part of the team right now. So, you know, the funny part was he said the weirdest thing was sitting down and watching video of Frankie Montas trying to scout how to hit him when he's been playing behind him for the last three, four years. So, you know, it's the little things we don't think about that stick out on the players' mind. Yeah, he, I mean, he was such a big part of the Oakland A's. Dan, his father would call my talk show. I mean, I mean, we got to know his <laughs> wife, great. his kids. It's like, but it, it's great that uh, he's having success. The thing that scares me about this series is, you know, just sweeping the Braves, outscoring them 26 to 12. I'm looking at Bo Bichette's red hot. Uh, Vladdy Jr. is hitting 545 over his last five games. I mean, you got some guys who are really swinging the bat well. Yes, yeah, some, not all. And, and this team is expected to score a lot of runs if everybody gets healthy, and they haven't quite gotten there. I think they've only had one game all year with their best nine in the starting lineup, and they won't add to it in this series. But uh, Vladdy's a different guy than he's been the last couple of years, much more selective, has a really good game plan, using the whole field, getting the ball in the air more. Bo Bichette, um, incredibly streaky. Uh, I shouldn't say incredibly streaky. He's streaky, incredibly talented, um, and hits rockets. Just hits rockets. Uh, very aggressive hitter. Um, Kevin Biggio scuffling a little bit right now, so we'll see uh, how he does. Uh, George Springer won't play tonight. He's only played a handful of games. Just came back from a quad injury. Say Oscar Hernandez is just back from COVID. He was a Silver Slugger Award winner last year. And then down below that, you've got you know Simeon. Randall Gritchick, there, there's a lot of length in this lineup. And if they stay healthy, the expectation is, is that, you know, they'll be one of the top two or three offenses in the American League. Yeah, and the East has been interesting with the Yankees being down. I, I know they got to 500. Uh, we didn't think the Red Sox were going to be this good. The, the, the East has been uh, – it's been fascinating to watch from afar. It, yeah, and it will be. I, I think it's got a chance to be a four-team race. No disrespect to the Orioles, who are getting better, but they're not there yet. Uh, like you said, Yankees started poorly. Now they're back at 500. They're going to be fine. I don't know if they're going to be great, but they're going to be good. Red Sox started great, and I think they'll fall back a little bit, but I don't think they're a pushover. I think they have uh, every capability of being a 500 team. Uh, the Blue Jays should be a good team, maybe not a great team. They're not like a fully formed, mature, contending team yet. They're still growing. And the Rays are the Rays. And, you know, I know they lost Snell and Morton, and those are great guys but their farm system is great. And if you told me, like, come September, you'd have four teams within five, six games of each other, 
maybe even less than that. I, I would buy it. I, I think it's got a chance to be that interesting a division. The only problem is, is if they all beat up on each other, get hard if you're not the division champ. But, you know, that's a that's a problem for a few months down the road. And it, it usually it's one of the most difficult divisions in baseball. And I think that's the case again this year. Yeah. And you think about all the national guys that we bring on this program before the start of the season, they were all about the Astros. They love the angels and nobody once again was given the A's a chance. And then here they say, it's like every year, Dan, they go, you know what? Here the A's are again. And we didn't think that they were going to be yeah. that good. Well, if you go back to opening night and listen to uh, ESPN Radio's broadcast of the game, you will find that a certain national guy sung a different tune and has a lot of respect for the A's. Uh, and I, I always have. I mean, they they keep you know they uh, they keep producing players. They do it on a shoestring budget. They just find a way to get the you know the most out of their guys. Uh, their their the, you know the bullpen last year was. Uh, was so good for most of the season. They've got some good young arms in the starting rotation. I know they're not all you know, healthy right now and quite where they would like to be. You know, you got the defense on the corners and, and in center field. There are a lot of things to really like uh, about this Oakland team. And, and you're right. You know, teams like Oakland and Tampa Bay, they just do not get the respect they deserve. And that's a shame because they've done enough to earn that respect. Um, you know, you go to the playoffs six times in nine years, you deserve that respect. And you know, that's the kind of franchise the A's have been. That's why you're one of the legendary voices in our game. You get it. <laughs> well, I don't get much, but I, I get I, every now and again I get a little bit here and there. So uh, I, I appreciate it. But I, you know, I, I like I've got a little bit of underdog bias in me. I like the teams that don't get enough attention to get a little bit more attention. And you know, and it's funny in the U.S. the Blue Jays are one of those teams. I think and and. Um, you know, sometimes they're kind of out of sight, out of mind, and everybody focuses on the Yankees and the Red Sox. And, um, you know, right now, I think they're starting to get some attention because of Guerrero, Bichette, and Vigio, because of the last, you know, the last names and the, the baby Jays, like you said, and the talent they have. But, you know, I think Toronto teams are used to feeling a little bit of that in the United States as well. So maybe I come by it honestly. Well, it's always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Have a great call tonight and enjoy this series. And let's talk soon. All right, I appreciate that. Some late nights calling it back east here in Toronto. Got to get a, got to get some coffee going before the the nine forty first pitch. Take care, Dan. Yeah. All right. See you. You know his voice is so iconic. If you're a baseball fan or a college basketball fan, I'm excited about this series. I mean, it's the only time we're going to see the Jays. We're looking down on the field right now. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's coming into this series red hot. Last five games, he's hitting 545. He's got more hits than strikeouts. He's like one of only six guys. You mean, you mean we're in the month of April, we had 6,924 strikeouts and 5,832 hits? Vlad Guerrero was one of the guys that had more, uh, more hits than strikeouts. When I was reading your playbook today, Cody puts a playbook together before every single show. And we have some great numbers like A's are hitting 218. A's are hitting 237 with runners in scoring position. Across baseball, teams are hitting 232. That's the lowest April average since you put, you guessed it, 1968, and then they lowered the mound. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're looking at it. God. But the article that Jason Stark put out in The Athletic, he talked about how the baseball is really not deadened because we're still seeing the same amount of fly balls, uh, the same distance they're traveling, and wait for it, 
the same amount of home runs per game pretty much. I think last year it was like 1.2 or like 1.14 or something right now. So, I mean, it, the, nothing's really different. Just the offense is down because there's, wait for it, a lot of strikeouts. What was the number? 6,924 strikeouts in the month of April, 5,832 hits. Um, I wasn't a math major, but that's not very good. It's just the lack of con- contact is just it, – it, it's mind-blowing. It really is mind-blowing. Like, your job is to hit. I know you want to hit it out of the ballpark, but your job is also to make contact. I mean, look at yesterday's game. There was a couple times where A's players or Orioles players made contact, and things happened. Think about Trey Mancini yesterday in the seventh inning with a runner on, I believe, was on second base. He hit the he hit a ground ball to second base. And, of course, we're shifting, so Jed's up the middle, and a routine ground ball to second base scores a run. Make contact, put the ball in play. Well, we saw in the first inning, remember, with Loriano scoring on the two errors by the Orioles in the first inning, and you just and I think it was uh, I think it was Glenn and, and Ray and Dallas are talking about just put the ball in play and good things will happen. And some teams still don't buy into that whole thing. And that's why the A's have the two eighteen batting average. They're not the worst though. I mean, there's teams that are hitting 200, 211. Remember last year there was like I mean the Cubs and the Reds and all the teams that made the playoffs last year had historically low numbers offensively, but team batting average wise. And some of the teams, it's, it's carried over. I mean, it's it's not good right now uh, in baseball. T- some of these guys, these teams not with the inability of these teams to hit. I'll give you another instance. Jed Lowry in the seventh with Matt Chapman on base. He hit a chopper in the 5.5 hole, and the third baseman had a bad throw. Mancini came off the bag. Jed gets a base hit and an RBI as Chapman would come around and score. I mean, putting the ball in play is a good thing. I mean, the, the, the strikeouts, we're surging in strikeouts right now to, isn't it on pace just to, to obliterate the 2019 record? Yeah, it, it's, not, it's not. I mean, I, and we're not going to uh, destroy the home run record probably, but who knows, things could pick up. It's starting to get warm outside. Here's the uh, top five teams in baseball batting average-wise. The Angels, 262. The Red Sox, 261. The White Sox, now they're not going to have Luis Robert. He's out for three to four months with a torn hip flexor, whatever that is. Uh, but he's going to be out for three to four months. But they're hitting 257. The Reds are hitting 253. And the Houston Astros are hitting 253. Now, if you go to the list and you look at the bottom of the bottom of the uh, ma- of Major League Baseball. By the who, way, every one of those teams is over 500. Yeah, they are. Here, here, now, here's the teams that aren't playing well or aren't hitting well. The Detroit Tigers, who are the worst team in baseball, hitting 195 collectively. As a team. Oh. The Cleveland Indians are hitting 207. The Mariners are hitting 210. The Milwaukee Brewers are hitting 217. The A's are hitting 218. And the well, I guess on paper, actually, they are the best team record-wise in the National League. The San Francisco Giants are hitting 218. I, 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 I can't even imagine covering the Tigers. They've uh, also struck out 305 times as a team. And watch. I mean, you're not even hitting 200 as a team. That's got to be so tough to watch. Couldn't happen to a better guy, their manager, <laughs> A.J. Hinch. 
Their team. Op- I, I'm so glad he's got to watch that. That you know, finally he's getting his penalty. He's got to sit there and watch his team every single day be terrible. Their team on base percentage. 255. 255. <laughs> How's that possible? That is really bad. I mean, that, that is, I mean, I mean, I've seen some poor offensive numbers for a team, like I mentioned last year in 2020, where a lot of the teams made the playoffs weren't hitting. 255 on base, 338 slugging, a 593 OPS. That is brutal if you're a fan of any baseball team, especially Detroit, who is rebuilding. And you go through their lineup, we, I mean, the A's played them, they swept them in a four game series. Who, who's in their lineup? Besides Miguel Cabrera, who can you name? Akil Badu is hitting like 200 now, by the way. That uh, great start he had is uh, completely gone by the wayside. You, you know what I'd like to see, but we're not because of COVID. I would like, if this was a, a regular year, I would like to see what their attendance is. I'd like to see what their like television ratings are. I'd like to see what their radio radio ratings are. I mean, who who's consuming Detroit Tigers baseball? Like, if they're that bad, why would you pay to go? I mean, I love baseball, but why would you pay to take your family to a game when a team's that bad and not trying at all? Yeah, and like, so MLB released their, their most recent power rankings earlier today. Now, I mean, this could be a whole segment in itself. They they put the Yankees at number seven. How is that possible? They're 500. They're 500. Wait a minute. How did they get to 500? They swept Detroit. That's the only reason they got to 500. A team that can't hit, they swept them, and now they're number seven. Here's the pie rankings. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me ask you a question. Is this just one person's opinion, or is this a, a, a group effort putting this together? I think it's a group effort from MLB.com putting this together. You have the Yankees at seven. Yeah. Oh, here's the list. Ten, the Atlanta Braves. They're 12 and 16. They just got swept by the Jays. They're 12 and 16. Number nine, the best team in the American League record-wise, the Kansas City Royals. Number eight, the Giants, the best team record-wise in the National League, not the Dodgers. The Yankees, the Brewers, who, well, like, they just got shellacked by the Dodgers yesterday. Uh, five is the Astros, um, which they just took two out of three from Tampa. Four is the White Sox. Again, this is before the least Robert injury. Three is the Padres. Two is the Red Sox. One is the Dodgers, who just lost Dustin May because he's having reconstructive UCLA, UCL surgery. Not UCLA. Yeah, not you. Well, I mean, I mean, I must said that, but yeah, that, that's your that's your top ten. The A's are not in there. The A's are leading the AL West, and they have 17 wins. They're not in the top ten of the power rankings. How's that possible? Do they even know we play? Uh, well, Dan Schulman does. It's unbelievable. I've been on my high horse about how it's ridiculous that no one even recognizes what this ball club's been doing. I mean, they came out with, uh, hey, look at all the great stuff that happened in April, and they didn't even mention that the A's had the longest winning streak since 2017. Yeah, that's... 2017, the longest winning streak, and they don't even mention it as one of the great things that happened in April. And you don't have the A's in your top ten right now, but you got it. You got a team that's 500, and you got a team that's under 500? By four games. That's a joke. How... How, how are Okay, so you got the Braves in there, but you don't have the Mets, who are leading the division, technically because of their win, winning percentage. The Phillies aren't on there, or either the Marlins or the Nationals. But you have the Braves, who are the worst team in the division. Well, actually, I think the Marlins are. So second worst team in the division in the top ten. By the way, good news. Just found it from the Blue Jays. Looks like we're going to talk to Marcus Simeon on Wednesday. Wednesday? Wednesday. That's awesome. So 
be stay tuned. I'm going to find out the timing. We'll put it out on social. Hopefully, when we find out what time, we'll talk to him. But you, you, it's almost like they just want to justify what they picked in the preseason. Power rankings are supposed to be where you're at right now. And what all these guys, and they're probably East Coast guys, they want to justify their preseason picks. So that's why they're going to stay strong with Yankees, Braves. I mean, the Braves won. I mean, the Yankees, okay, they're back to 500. But the fact that you're going a team that's 12 and 16 and you still have them in your top 10 for what they've done this year, is, is it's, it's a joke. Now, you're, you're a college football fan. You know what others receiving votes means. Uh, number 11 on the list, the A's. Number 12 would be the Mets. Number 13 would be the Blue Jays. 14, Rays. 15, Cardinals. Somehow the Twins, who are playing a little bit better, are somehow still ahead of a team like Arizona, who is playing very well. The Phillies, nah, they're not playing that great. I mean, they lost that game last night because their bullpen stinks. By the way, I thought their bullpen was supposed to be better this year when getting I, all these guys. It's like a disease with Philly. They get, I mean, their bullpens are... Alvarado comes in, and he walks the bases loaded, then he walks in a run, and then the polar bear hits a three-run, go-ahead uh, double. Yeah, but they were loving life when Didi went yard. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean he's he's a good catalyst for their offense, but they got to get Harper right and Real Muto, and they, they got to figure things out in Philly. But that's just going through the list. Like, you look, and then you look at the bottom of the list. It's Rockies, okay, makes sense. Detroit makes sense. Rangers, they took three out of four from Boston. You're telling me they're the third worst team in baseball? And then, well, the Pirates and the Orioles. So the Nationals are 500 or 25th. Wait, where are the Orioles? The Orioles are 26th. Hey, let me tell you something. That's a scrappy little bunch they got there. They, they, they just showed us. I mean, they almost swept us, for God's sakes. You're going to have them down that low? I mean, they're only two games. They're two games under 500. You've got Atlanta four games under 500. I don't know. I think the I think the Orioles are a little better. Maybe it's just recency bias what we saw, but I was pretty impressed. And I was pretty impressed. And the thing that really stood out about that series and the series in Baltimore is just how good their bullpen is. If you gave Philly the Orioles bullpen, their bullpen too. Like they they don't have any big names in there. I mean, C- uh, Cesar Valdez, their closer, who only throws changeups. Mind you, five different changeups, but he throws only changeups. What Paul Fry and and Armstrong and, and Slusser like who? If you're not, if you're a casual, you're like who are these guys? You, well, you probably couldn't even win their rotation either. But John Means is really good. John Means is really good. He's figured it out. He's really good, and that's a good building block for them going forward. And you're right; they almost swept the they almost swept the A's over the weekend. What uh, what time are we going till today? About five twenty-five. All right, I have to get into my analytics. Remind me, Towny Analytics coming up after Mark Canna. The man who has been hit more than any Oakland A in the history of this franchise, Mark Canna, will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. Here's the pitch. It's on the way, and Mark is hit by it. There's a, it's an A's record maybe of the somewhat dubious variety, but Mark Canna now has been hit by more pitches than any other Oakland athletic. 60. Sal Bandel 59, Reggie 57, Ricky 55, Giambi 55. Can't adopt his cap. I love it. <laughs> Does he get the baseball? He knew. He knew he got the record. Give him a band-aid or something, an ice pack. There's a new hit batsman king, and it's Mark Canna. Hit me with your best shot. Why don't you- 
you hit me with your best shot. Pat Benatar. It's a great pull. I'm glad I'm impressed you knew that. I mean, you grew up in the 80s. I'm, I hope you yeah, knew Pat Benatar. Yeah, come on. Are you kidding me? You know what's funny? Speaking of growing up in the 80s, my kids, I, I, they had this shirt. It's the old MTV logo. They know what MTV is? I, I'm like, you don't even know what MTV is. I barely know what MTV is, and I'm 32 years old. I'm like, what are you talking You don't know what it is. I'm like, it used to have music videos. It wasn't the what? real world. I don't, I don't, what's, what are music videos? <laughs> it's where the artist would have a video, and they'd sing their song, and there'd be a storyline along with a video. I remember when Thriller came out. Have you ever heard of Michael Jackson? The king of pop? Thriller was so big when it was coming out. I remember they stopped school so everybody could see it. Those are great. The music video is phenomenal. The dance is even better. I don't know how to do it, but the dance is. Well, yeah, you're not Michael Jackson. Oh, I, didn't grow up in, I didn't grow up in the 80s, so I didn't have a chance to really learn <laughs> it. I'm sure my parents know how to do it. I'm sure you know how to do it. Oh, I can't moonwalk. You kidding me? All right, earlier today we caught up with our good friend Mark Canna and a lot to get into. Getting hit, Marcus Simeon, here is your leadoff hitter. Mark, it is great to have you on the program once again. Congratulations to a great start of the season, and you and your teammates, uh, it, it's turned into a very good year so far. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Thanks. And just take us through yesterday as you had the front row seat for an unbelievable catch from Ramon Laureano. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean that was incredible. Ramon just kind of took over that game, and and uh, he does that from time to time. He'll do that. So uh, it, it it never, even though I'm never surprised, it it also um, it's also amazing to watch that guy do what he does on a seemingly regular basis. How many times in your career have you seen one guy take over one inning the way he did yesterday with the catch and then the home run? Not often. Not often does that happen. Um, maybe Matt Chapman a, a couple of times I could think of. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome way to finish that game yesterday. And you had some great catches also yesterday out in left field. Yeah, thanks. Um, it was uh, kind of a, just some tricky balls hit out there. I had a lot of tough ones yesterday, and I, I made a couple of them and didn't make another couple of them. What? So it's, uh, those sinking liners are always a tough one. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And then we always talk about it, it's it, 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 for some reason it's hard to see the ball in the air in Oakland. I have no idea why. Do you have mm -hmm. an idea? Well, I don't know about seeing it right now being hard, but it's it's pretty gusty lately. A lot of w windy days we're having, so it's it's just um, the ball's kind of dancing around in the air out there a lot, and it's it's just hard to to kind of get comfortable day to day with with how the ball's flying because um, it's always it always seems like it's doing something different. 
You know, I remember when we talked to you in spring training and Bob was kicking around the idea of you leading off. And I know we talked about uh, you at Bellarmine had uh, Coach Cunningham had led you off before. And just to think your mm-hmm. OP, your OPS right now is 806. Your on-base percentage is 389. It just seems like a natural fit for you. What has it been like leading off? I mean, it's taken some getting used to, but, but now I feel like, you know, we're a month in. I'm, I'm kind of settled in. I'm, I'm comfortable doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's easy to see how, how I can, when I'm, when I'm doing, the, doing it well and doing what I do, how the team kind of feeds off that. And, I, and I'm, uh, I'm proud of the, the job I've been doing. So hopefully I can keep it up. By the way, you were absolutely hilarious yesterday when you get hit and you go to first base. And for some of us who are following it, knowing that you're breaking the, the Oakland record of Sal Bando. And when you got to first, and I don't think a lot of people yeah. in the ballpark knew what was going on, but when you tipped your cap, we were all laughing no. up here. Nobody was paying attention. Nobody <laughs> knew what was happening. Uh, but I, it made it that much funnier when there was no response. And I just kind of – so I kind of – directed it towards the towards our dugout and I, I think our guys thought it was funny so at least I got I got that what got them going yeah Vince Catroni was like what do you do do you like get the ball for him or <laughs> how oh, do you I celebrate have the, I have the ball you do okay yeah. <laughs> you know I think of a rec like the one record you don't want to have because you know we're in the era of everybody throwing 95 plus miles an hour and to get hit this many mm-hmm. times I mean people need to realize it hurts a lot yeah, I mean, it hurts a little bit, but luckily I've I've been fortunate to not get it in any bad spots that have caused an injury or caused me to miss any time. So, uh, you know, as long as you don't get it in the head or or the wrist or something, it's it's all good. You know, and I'm getting on base, so. You know, and that I, helps too. And I think about your game. You're not a guy that crowds the plate. I mean, you're, it's not like you're like right up on it like Craig Biggio was. Why do you think you get hit so much? Uh, I, I do get close. Um, I'm, I am closer than most guys, but yeah, not like all over it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't move either. So like, if the ball, if I see a breaking ball that's from a left hander or something, or or a fastball out of hand, I I just stand there and take it because you know I know that's that's part of uh, part of what I do. That's part of my game and. And it's part of the reason that I am valuable to this team. So, um, you know, it is what it is, and and I'm going to keep doing it. When you get up on the plate then, are, are you daring right-handers to come inside on you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't um, – I think it, it – I've noticed it does make pitchers uncomfortable when – when I get on close to the plate, not all pitchers, but some guys, it, it'll make them a little fidgety and uncomfortable. And and if I can make them, you know, lose command a little bit because it's something that's just so simple as getting closer to the plate, then um, then I'm giving myself an advantage, or at least that's that's how I look at it. You know, today's going to be a special day because a guy who's a really good friend of yours, who you played in college with, you played in the big leagues with. I know you guys are tight. Marcus Simeon, Bay Area native, is coming back to play here mm-hmm. at the Coliseum. What do you think that's going to be like tonight? Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be like a homecoming. Um, I, I think everyone in the clubhouse will be happy to see him. And, and 
it'll be weird. It'll be weird to be honest. I mean, I, I've, my whole career that I've been in the major leagues, Marcus has been on the same team as me, except this being the first year, that's not the case. And uh, it'll be strange playing against him, honestly, I think. And, but, I, but I look forward to seeing him, of course. Yeah, he meant so much to this team. You know, what he overcame with the airs at shortstop to become one of the better shortstops in the league. And he was the kind of guy that came out and worked so hard every single day. He was really a leader by example. Just what was it like to have him as a teammate? I mean, obviously you guys were so close, but the way the way he rubbed off on everybody and he was a great Oakland A. Yeah, it's just um, he really um, – you know, the tangibles, you know, you can talk about all the numbers and, and all the great things he did. and But I think he just the culture that, that he kind of helped create here, um, he was probably the biggest piece to, piece of the puzzle to, to kind of creating that, that competitive yet laid-back culture that we have here that, that I feel makes us so strong every year. Yeah, it's uh, he. He was a special guy, and he he is definitely going to be missed. We always appreciate the time, and and by the way, happy birthday to to your youngest. Oh, thank you, thanks, Tony. It always goes by quick, my man. Enjoy it while enjoy it while they're young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a blast. Fatherhood is the best. Well, be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. All right, see you, Tony. Yeah, Mark Canna, good guy, and. You know, we talked about Marcus Simeon having one of the greatest years ever in Oakland A's history. You know, Mark Canna right now, as a leadoff hitter, is he's killing it. I mean, he's tied for the lead in the American League in runs scored. He scored 24 runs in April. That ties the athletics record for most in the month of April with who? Ricky. No. Oh, wow. That's usually the go-to for everything when it comes to run score. Um, Not Ricky Henderson. So, Marcus from 2019? Not Marcus Simeon. Friend of the program. How long ago? Not long ago. Not too long oh, ago. Oh, Coco. Coco. Ty Coco. Coco did it in 2013. Trying to think, how many leadoff guys are we friends with? We don't know... We're friends with a lot of power hitting guys, or and then we got Coco and Marcus and Canna. Rick, Ricky. Ricky. We haven't talked to Ricky in a while. Well, I haven't seen him. Have you seen him around? Uh, uh-uh. I thought he, I thought he'd be here for the because uh, on Saturday was the 30th anniversary of him stealing 939. Well, I don't think he's in tier one or tier tier two. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's in 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 the uh, whatever you call it the bubble. But I was thinking, like, maybe even, like, him like being on a video and, like, you know, because it was 30 years. I'm going to understand if it was, like, 33 years or something. But 30 years where he, <clears throat> he still is that member, uh, we, we, we did that last year because it was during the when COVID first started. So we, we did it in the 29th anniversary. We had Bobby Valentine on and because uh, Nolan, I think this, that was the same day Nolan Ryan struck out or someone Nolan Ryan did something that day. And we, we did a whole thing. And Dwayne Satz was the TV voice of the Yankees at the time when Ricky stole the base against the Yankees who's now the voice of the Rays. Talk about a career change there. But he's he's been with the Rays since day one, right? Yeah, he's been he's been like uh like Dan Rusinowski and, and Randy Honobin with the Sharks. He's been there since day one with the Rays. 
he saw that opportunity to leave New York, go to Florida, and uh, up his compensation without state taxes. Yeah, and he's kind not of that, a smart move. And he's not that old. I think he's only like 60, 68 or so. So like he's he's still very young when it comes to broadcasters because you know when you think of legendary broadcasters, Bob Uecker is like eighty seven and he's still going. And Vince Scully retired a few <laughs> years ago, but Vince like in his you know early. I think he's still in his early. Might be in his mid nineties now. But yeah, Bob Uecker's in his late eighties and he's still calling games away. What what, what else is you gonna do? Uh, uh yeah, I mean. I mean I mean, when you compare on Johnny Carson over 100 times more than anyone else, uh, and, you know, Johnny Carson's obviously not around anymore, so I don't, can't, I don't think he's going to be appearing on Jimmy Kimmel. Are you ready for some, some townie analytics? Oh, yeah. All right. A starting pitchers, when they go five innings, at least five, the ball club is 14 and eight. When they did that last year, they were 30 and 10. 2021, if they can go six innings, Six. I know there's some great pitchers right now rolling over their graves when I say this. But if they can at least go six, they're nine and five. Last year, if they win at least six, they were 20 and one. There is this correlation between winning games and getting innings out of your starter. Well, unless you're Jacob DeGrom. Unless the one outlier guy. Everybody else tends to win. Now... The A's pitching over the last 16 games got a 2.67 ERA. But A's starters over the last six games are 0-4 with a 4.78 ERA. So to get back on track and get another winning streak going, got to start seeing guys go deeper in games. Come on. We're in the second month of the season. I don't want five and dive. In the postgame show, I have to sit there and go, hey, it's great, five innings. Let's get, let's start seeing getting into the seventh inning. And, and a guy that needs to do that is Frankie because he's been struggling a little bit. And I went back and I looked up his numbers with his uh, his pitches, his, his sinker and um, – or, sorry, his uh, – yeah, his sinker. His sinker and his four-seam. I mean, opponents hitting 279 off his sinker, 412 off his four-seam. Now, I was expecting batting averages below 300 on the, on the four-seam, but – Still, I mean, hitters are teeing off on his velocity, but his off-speed, his uh, split finger, 190 people are hitting against it. So he needs to get deep into the game, get back on track. Because remember, in 2019, how great he was before and after the suspension. He was great. And then last year, that start in Arizona kind of buried him a little bit. And then this year, he's, what's the like six? It's, it's over six right now. So you need yeah, to get him. I mean, come on. To have that kind of stuff and have a 6.20 ERA, yeah. to have that kind of – you know, what was the start where he went out and he was just fantastic? He just pitched with great conviction. Wasn't it Houston and someone back-to-back? Yeah, it was in Houston when they won 7-3, to three, six innings, one run, struck out five. That's what I expect from Frankie Montas. Pound the strike zone and put people away. Your stuff is too good to have an ERA over six. I mean, that's, that, that is absolutely ridiculous. What time are we out of here? Uh, I think it's 525. All right, let's do a little buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Well, we, we briefly mentioned it earlier, and it's an injury that happened today. No, it's not Luis Robert. You call him Robert, and he gets him stuck in my head now. The, uh, the, the Frenchman who actually is from Cuba? Yeah, the French Cuban, as we, we called him at first. 
Uh, but we mentioned Dustin May, the Dodgers. He's not a superstar yet, but they're uber, uber. He's not even a prospect anymore. This is a really talented uh, right-handed pitcher. Is going to have um, surgery on his UCL, UCL on his right elbow. You can just call it Tommy John. Yeah, Tommy John. Um, so he's going to be out, you know, for the next year plus. Now he landed on the uh, the injury list yesterday after leaving the start um, on Saturday, and their six five loss to the Brewers. The game Roxy Bernstein called. Remember, Roxy called the game. But before that, he told me what the matchup was. Corbin Burns, boom, he goes on the IL. And then he calls the game, and well, Dustin May goes on the IL. Uh, I don't know if there's a correlation between injuries and Roxy, but uh, not off to a good start for Roxy in game of the week, but that's not what we're getting at here. Now, May was in the middle of a bat with two outs in the second inning when he visibly wins and signaled for the athletic trainer after throwing a pitch. Dave Roberts described it as a shooting sensation. Now, May finished fifth in the National League Rookie of the Year voting last fall. And he's pitched in three seasons for the Dodgers. He was one and one with a two seven four ERA and five starts this year. Now, remember, Mad Dog Chris Russo, our good friend from High Heat, said he believes one of the Dodgers' big starters could be their closer going forward. Buying or selling, Dustin May is the future closer of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, I, I would buy that. You know, because already he's showing he can't stay healthy, obviously, but have to have Tommy John. And when he comes back, he's going to be babied. So I guess I'm buying more of a bullpen guy than just the closer. Yeah. So, I, you know, they'll bring him back. I, I don't know if closing – you know, they still want all these guys to be starters. But I like, like – you know, do you have Shohei Otani in there today? I don't, but it's like Shohei Otani got hit in the elbow yesterday, and now he's not making his start today. It's like, what is this guy worth as a pitcher if he can't pitch? I, I mean, his worth, his value, is as a hitter being in the lineup every day. And we've talked about Otani. Would it be better for Otani to go to the bullpen where you can actually use him more than once a week? If that, it's a, it's a, it's a. We'll see, but he will be coming back when we do see Ginger Guard. He'll be coming back as a reliever to start. Speaking of uh, not Ginger Guard, but the real Cinder Guard, Noah Cinder Guard, he's, I think that he's ahead of schedule for the Mets. We might be seeing him soon pitching for the Mets because Buster only did a report that him and Carlos Carrasco are starting to look better, and Carrasco could be back soon. And, you know, each day um, he's ramping up innings for Cinder Guard, so we could see him back with the Mets because, uh, well, the Mets can use all the help they can get because uh, they're – Although they're in first place, they're not playing too well so far to start the year. Now, well, hey, you know, it'll be interesting to see where everybody ends up going. You know, because right now, you know, it's all the alternate site. I'm talking about the Hurt guys. Right now, they're at the alternate site. Where Are they going to go to AAA? Are they going to go to AA? Are they going to go whoever is closest to the home ballpark? Yeah, because, like, I know the Aviators, and we're hoping to, uh, you know, it was a little forward tease, but we're hoping to carry the Aviators home opener on Thursday here on Ace nice. at 7 o'clock. Their home opener is on Thursday. I think Stockton Ports and our good friend Alex Jensen, the, the voice of the Ports, I think they start their season tomorrow. So we're, so we're starting to see minor league baseball coming back. But, um, well, speaking of minor leagues and uh, transitions and everything, the Rockies are in transition. They fired their GM already after it was a – well, sorry, didn't fire him. is mutually parting of ways, but he's gone. Uh, they traded Nolan Arnato and he resigned 20 games into this season. Well, the Rockies – are almost 30 years old, and they've never won a division title. Think about that. They've never won a division title, and they've been in the league for almost 30 years. But they've been in the World Series. That's true. So the race. But they've won division titles. 
Uh, they've been they've been 500 six times. Here are some of the times uh, over the last couple of years that owner Dick Monfort says he wants to win, according to an article on ESPN.com from Jeff Passan. This is from October of 2013. I want to win at everything, even checkers. The Rockies lost 96 games the next year. It is unclear how often Monfort won at checkers, but if he approaches it similarly to winning baseball, the answer is not much. January 31st of 2015, we want to win. We want to win every year. They lost 94 games that year. October 1st of 2019, we want to win every year. They were on pace during the pandemic-shortened season to go 70 and 92, and they traded away their probably the best player in franchise history. Buying or selling, you can build a winner in Colorado. Selling. I don't think it's possible. I, I think you can catch lightning in the bottle. Remember, remember when they did go to the World Series? Didn't they win like 17 or 18 in a row to get into the postseason as the wild card team? Yeah, and then there was the whole the Matt Holiday thing was the home the whole thing of pl- home plate. There the, was the one game playoff against San Diego. Yeah, it's just it's just too hard. It's too hard to 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 play at a mile high up. Guys get injured easier playing in elevation. Then you come down off the mountain and you got to play at sea level, and it's just. To build the pitching staff, you got you really have to have like three center fielders out there because you got to cover more ground than any other field. I just, I just don't see it. Yeah, and you got to have, uh, you're, you know, you're gonna get every guy every once in a while like Ubaldo Jimenez that comes out. Now they have some good starters, and Herman uh, Marquez and, and John Gray and guys that are they can build a rotation around, but it's too hard up there with the, the elevation to get a good pitching staff going. And, and the guys they do have, they trade them away. And Trevor Story, who's probably gonna get traded. It's a deadline. He just got hurt yesterday, so it's. Well, by the way, Todd Helton's on the phone. Wait, Nolan Arenado's the greatest Rocky? Uh, well, if he would have played played longer, he could have been the greatest player in franchise history. Larry Walker. He was. He didn't spend his whole career there. Okay, Mister Cardinal. Okay, hold on. Mister Expo. Todd Helton had some incredible numbers. You mean the quarterback that lost his job to Peyton Manning? So, a lifetime three sixteen hitter. 369 home runs, 1,406 RBIs. You're talking to a Todd Helton fan. 953 OPS, 133 OPS plus. You think Arenado is going to end with numbers better than that? Maybe. Maybe. It's, he's, still, he's still only like, what is he? I don't even think he's 30 yet. I don't know. I don't, we're not even going to have time to get to the injury thing now. We can save that for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one guy's a 314 career hitter. The other guy's a 264 hitter. You kidding me? Not even sniffing a thousand RBIs yet. Slow down on Nolan Arenado. I don't know why I care about this and why I'm sticking up. <laughs> but I always well, you know what? Todd Helton was always good to me. I interviewed him a couple times. He was always uh, really cool and was always easy, approachable to get him on for the pregame show. He, uh, I mean. He might be one of the greatest quarterbacks ever played Tennessee. And then Peyton Manning came along and took his job. Is Todd Helton a Hall of Famer? I think he should be, yes. I told you I'm a Todd Helton fan. I mean, you put Larry Walker in, and Larry Walker was a great player. But, I mean, Todd Helton played with him. And Helton had the numbers. And, you know, Helton has the checkered pass with the DUIs. I think he's what he had before or something. I know he's had something with his history, his character. We look at the character class so much, so. But I think he definitely should be a Hall of Famer. All right, who are we playing next? Uh, David Force, the Dayton, the newest David Force show. Oh, the David Force show. We'll be back for A's Total Access. Thank you for listening, everybody. We want to thank Pip Roberts, Dan Shulman, and Mark Canna for joining us on A's Cast Live. 
This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.